You're listening to a message from Severe Heights. To learn more about us, go to www.severeheights.org. Good morning. As we begin, I want to start today with uh, you engaging your imagination. Now, some of you will not have to do this uh, because it plays out on a, on a consistent basis. Imagine um, there's a mom that's driving a car in the back seat are two little children. Uh, the youngest of which is having a meltdown. It's nap time. It's past nap time. And the oldest of which is just to that child's left. Um, she still has on her backpack, and inside that backpack is a swimsuit. Because she's holding tight to a promise, a promise that her mom said. The promise was that if we have enough time this afternoon, then maybe we'll get to take you swimming. Oh, what happens is the afternoon unfolds, um, the meltdown just grows, and they go from one store to the next door. They're running errands, trying to get caught up. She gets wind that her husband, the kid's dad, is coming home a little early, so she decides we're going to have to go home early, and she breaks the news to the back and says, I'm sorry, we're not going to get to go swimming. Now, the meltdown from the little one switches from the, to the meltdown to the older one because when mom earlier made the statement, she only heard these words, we're going swimming. She didn't hear if and didn't consider maybe. And what she vocalizes in response to her mom's statement is something that everybody in this room eventually eventually states at some time or another in life. And the statement is this, this isn't fair. It's not. And how she embraces fair, unfair for the rest of her life is kind of defining. Like she's going to deal with unfairness everywhere she turns. It'll be with herself, it'll be with her education, it'll be with friends, it'll be with enemies, it'll be with, it'll be with a, a job, it'll be in some marriage, some, some dating relationship. Uh, it'll even show itself in the world news. Uh, like you question over and over, okay, this just doesn't seem fair. To which we ask questions like, is God fair? Does God care? Is he even there? Like in our darkest moments, we start to wonder. I've been there. Is he even there? If so, why is God so at times wildly unpredictable? Well, the next few weeks we start, we'll spend time together in a series that we start today. Um, Today's an overview. The series is entitled uh, Unfair. And you know, what do you do when fair leaves town? Because it happens in every relationship. Like in February, unfortunately, we, we all think about relationships in a, in a crazy sense. And there's like this extra pressure. Okay, let's meet every need. But the reality is, whether you're single, divorced, widowed, in a marriage, unhealthy marriage, happy marriage, at work, with your teams, it doesn't matter. Everyone deals with this issue of unfair. Like what they did, what they said, it just feels and seems unfair. So what do you do when fair leaves town? And today is kind of like the broad topic that lays the groundwork for the weeks to come. And, and today, our character that we're going to examine is an Old Testament character who's quite confused with how God's working. It seems to be unfair. Listen to how he says it. His name's Habakkuk. Habakkuk 1 verse 2. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? Or I cry out to you violence, but you don't save? I mean, this dude is awesome. He has an open and on, honest conversation with God. And there's going to be a dialogue of back and forth. This book, Habakkuk, let me tell you a little bit about it. Um, You've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. And to give everyone a, a big picture idea of the Old Testament and the New Testament, Old Testament is that first half of your Bible that sets up the second half, the New Testament, where Jesus comes. But the Old Testament, 
I want you to understand, it's not written in chronological order. There are elements of it that are in chronological order, but it's really organized according to genre. So the first few books are what we call the law, and the second few books are history. The next several books are poetry. That's where you get Psalms and Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. The next five books are major prophets, and the next 12 are minor prophets, and Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets because he's only got three chapters. Little secret, most of the minor prophets are minor because of the length of the book. Um, If you're looking for Habakkuk today, uh, it's right in the middle. Um, You'll find it between Nahum and Zephaniah, so hopefully that helps. Good luck. Uh, The pages are probably stuck together. Slay. My daughter made me say the word slay today. I apologize. I had to throw it in somewhere. It begins with this. A guy that's confused. God, how long do I have to pray? You're not doing a thing. And God, how much longer do you actually show up and do something? Guess what? This is no minor matter. Instead, there's beauty in this book of three chapters. This guy that's confused and bothered by unfair. He runs toward God with his questions, unlike many of us that when we deal with unfair, unfair leaves town, we kind of take our questions and run. Like we don't talk to God. We kind of distance ourselves from godly friends. And goodness gracious, we don't really want to darken the doors of a church. But as we begin this message today, there is a valuable lesson for people that are dealing with unfair in their family, unfair with their grief, divorce, parenting, loneliness, and betrayal. The way the book begins with Habakkuk, uh, he he asks a series of questions. You just saw them. And God's going to give him some answers. But then Habakkuk's going to ask some more questions. And then God's going to give him some more answers. It's going to go back and forth. But then we get to the best part. So if you can stay tight. The very end, we get three statements. And they're not really three steps. So please don't ever think that. They are three challenging behaviors for you and I when we experience anything unfair. Three um, spiritual disciplines when fair leaves town. Now, some of you in this room are thinking, oh, this really isn't for me today, Tim. Maybe not. Like, maybe your problems are petty. You've got a, an emergency fund. You've got a savings account. You've got good health. You've got a good marriage. Kids and everyone are doing just fine. But I can assure you, someone in your circle of influence is dealing with a relationship that has imploded. A sickness that is back. An unbearable depression. And for all practical purposes for them, fair has left town. They've been leveled by life. So let's start this book today by watching the back and forth, back and forth. The questions and answers. Uh, Verse 1, you won't see it. I didn't include it up here. But he says, the prophecy of Habakkuk. And then all of a sudden, verse 2 is bam. Verse 2 again. Let's look at it. How long, Lord? Must I call for help? But you don't listen Or I cry out to you violence, but you don't save. And then we see six words, six synonyms that describe the situation that Habakkuk is right in the middle of. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing, destruction, violence? They're right in front of me. There's strife and conflict abounds. In a real sense, God, are you concerned with fear? God, do you care? 
And God, in my darkest moments right now, I, I can't help but wonder, are you even there? Because you're so wildly unpredictable. He's confused. Uh, for our sake, we need to ask this question, what is going on for Habakkuk? Well, there's a quick backstory, and I'll try to fly through it, but many of you know the story where the nation of Israel was in Egypt, and they were in slaves, in slavery. Uh, after God delivers them from slavery, there's a period of wandering in the wilderness for, for quite some time before they get to the land that God promised. And while they're wandering, uh, God sends this, this list of rules. Actually, they're, they're relational rules, the Ten Commandments, on how the nation that's in chaos as they're wandering needs to get their act together with the one true God and each other before they get to the land that's promised. They also received a book of law. And this law was to bring order out of the chaos for the nation of Israel. And wouldn't you know it, finally, after a series of, of small battles, they get into the area that God had promised them. But the problem is, like us, they got comfortable. And they slowly neglected and forgot those relational rules that God established. They put God to the side and they dismissed all the law. Chaos is in the streets of Israel. Habakkuk's watching it. Bloodshed, turmoil, like, like there's nothing good going on. There's a king named Manasseh the Bible describes in this window of time that, that during Manasseh's reign, there's blood flowing from one side of the streets all the way to the other. And Habakkuk is confused and he's wondering and he's sick. God, why don't you do anything? God, I have been asking you to do something. God, we are your people. And the, the beautiful thing about this, he doesn't just leave it to thoughts. He writes it down. I'm telling you, the beautiful thing is that he doesn't run from God. He runs toward God. There is a theological term for this, and it's called lament. A lament is this premise where you and I, when we're anxious, we take our anxiety to God. We take our frustrations to God. Our fears, our confusion to God. Total honesty. Nothing held back. We tell him how we feel on behalf of what's currently happening. Let me tell you why these laments are important. Well, first off, Habakkuk's known for this. So is Moses. So is Elijah. So is Isaiah. So is David. David, Psalm 13. He says in a matter of two verses, how long, how long, how long, how long? The reason lament is so important is because on behalf of all relationships, not just God, all relationships, there are three dysfunctions in every relationship. First, you don't feel. Two, you don't talk. Three, you don't trust. Lament helps us to feel. I mean, this guy's writing it down, how he feels. Lament helps us to talk. I mean, it's written and it's spoken. And lament eventually helps you to trust. And so Habakkuk, like this first part, is so good because he's like confused. It's unfair. Fair's left town. God, how long? When are you going to do something? And now God answers. Verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days, Habakkuk, that you wouldn't believe, even if you were told. Now hang tight. Verse 6. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. Habakkuk's asking God how long he's going to wait until he does something about the bloodshed in the nation of Israel. And God says, hey, it's coming. But it's coming in a way that it will bring Israel to its knees. 
Up to this point, Israel's battles were kind of like regional battles, but there is a nation that's forming called Babylon, about a thousand miles away. And Babylon is making its trip toward Israel, and on the way, they are mowing down nation after nation after nation, and Israel's next. Um, Babylon will eventually become a world empire. God describes their army in like verse 7, 11. You don't have to look there. But basically he's setting up the premise that these people are dark and evil. Verse 13. Here's Habakkuk's response. God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You can't tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous like the Babylonians? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? God, God, like we're bad, but they're worse than us. We're not necessarily Great, but they're terrible. And then Habakkuk describes this one verse just to show how bad and powerful Babylon is. It's like there's a a net that's being pulled behind them. Listen to Habakkuk verse 17. Is he to keep on emptying his net? Like after nation after nation, they're just drawing it through, destroying nations without mercy? So for a second, think about Habakkuk's two questions so far to the book. God, why won't you do something? It's just not fair. Now he's saying, God, why are you using them to do something? It's just not fair. Well, eventually, uh, God lets Habakkuk know that Babylon will get theirs too. But it'll be decades later, and Habakkuk won't be alive to see it. But in the meantime, 587 B.C. rolls around. Babylon makes it into the city. The people outside the walls of Jerusalem run into Jerusalem because Jerusalem's walled in. Babylon's plan is to starve out Jerusalem. With the population immediately increasing inside the walls because of the townspeople, the food immediately decreased. And Babylon has the upper hand and things are nasty. Habakkuk describes his emotions in, the, in chapter number three as he summarizes what's about to take place. Listen to this. I heard... And my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. I mean, the guy's sick over how unfair everything is. He's confused. Here you go. But this is not how the book ends. The book ends in such a beautiful way. The book will end with three words. Like like it starts... God, are you there? Do you care? Where are you? You're so wildly unpredictable. But somehow, in a matter of two chapters, we get to three. Somehow he's able to trust God. Somehow he's able to hold tight when fair left town. He's able to hold tight and tell God that I'm willing to trust you still. And this is for you, what we're about to look at. Or someone close in your circle that has heard these words, I don't love you anymore. It's heard the words, the cancer is back. It's heard the words, let's call it quits. I'm not interesting, interested. Let's just be friends. So unfair. What do you do? Well, there's some choices to make. And by the way, these are three challenging choices. Please don't look at it as three easy steps. The last few verses, when you place yourself in Habakkuk's sandals, you looked around, you prayed, you've asked God, how much longer? 
and then he tells you what's about to happen, and you're like, this is not fair. I want you to notice the challenging choices that he makes. Number one, I will choose to trust. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16, I heard, my heart pounded, my lips quivered, decay crept into my bones, my legs trembled. Here we go, yet. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Even though Habakkuk won't live long enough, he says, look, I'll choose to wait patiently. Some of you in the room right now can say, well, patience, thanks a bunch, Tim. Uh, when things are unfair and you're confused, just wait. It's real helpful. Actually, you need to press in. Anytime we experience unfair, there's typically, there's typically a wall of pain and confusion. When we go through pain, when we go through confusion, we see a wall of pain and confusion. Patience is the capacity to see past the pain. It's not denying the pain. It's not sitting next to a friend and just saying, hey, be patient. No, it's helping them. It's you seeing on behalf of them the capacity to see past the pain and past the confusion and letting them know, I believe that God is writing an incredible story through your life. I just think this is a painful and confusing and awful chapter. But hold on. Be patient. In this current space, be patient. Because in this current space, when things are confusing and unfair, my heart and your heart can go to some terrible places. Habakkuk knows this. And so patience is the capacity to look past the wall of pain and confusion. By all means, when it comes to your friends, please encourage them to walk toward God with their questions, not from him. Meaning, bring back those prayers of lament. God, this is how I feel. And God, this is what I want to say right now. And God, I'm still going to trust you. Um, Habakkuk continues with these questions, but I want you to consider this. Don't forget, for, for those of you that are in a difficult season right now, just isn't fair. Patience reminds us this may be an ugly chapter. But God is writing a beautiful story. And on behalf of his choice, the behavior, like I'll choose to wait. It is not a simple step. I'm going to say it over and over and over. It's a challenging behavior. Here's the second challenging behavior. Joy. I will cling to joy. These two verses toward the end of the book are the most quoted in the book of Habakkuk. Listen to these words. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes in the vine. Remember, they're surrounded. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet, I'll rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God my Savior. Joy is something you cling to. Joy is something you fight for. Joy is something you learn. When fear leaves town, when fear leaves town, you'll notice that Habakkuk's joy was not a byproduct of a long line of joyful experiences. It's right in the middle of the junk. He mentions six things that are gone, and what he's highlighting because they're surrounded is six things that have been removed. The nation is in turmoil. It's an economic disaster, 
And yet he has the courage to say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. All right, if I could get everyone in this room to do one thing this week. It would be to take that verse and to write it in your own words of unfairness. You know, he said over and over and over, though this, though that, though this. Sit down and journal. And have this talk with God, like, like God, this is how I feel and this is what I want to say. And Though there's no money in the bank. Though there's no date on the horizon, no marriage in the future, no reconciliation around the bend. No chance for change. God, though there's been three interviews and no one's called me back. Though the person I love for 50 years only has a couple months to live. Though someone has said something awful about me and it's ruined my reputation. And then you write and you hold verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. This is not the kind of joy that comes from experiencing joyful circumstances. It's the kind you cling to. When everything is against you. And so he chooses joy. Just like James tells us to choose joy. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. So that you'd be mature and complete. Not lacking anything. I hate this verse. I want maturity and growth like in an online class I don't want to be there in person but according to this God delights when I consider it pure joy when I decide to cling to joy in a very complicated and a heartbreaking situation and to be brutally honest with everyone in this room choose joy because the, the alternatives are a joke that's why Habakkuk says it. that's why James says it I'm telling you, the alternative, what else are you going to do? Are you going to numb out? Are you going to zone out? Are you going to check out? In the words of my friends, how's that working for you? It does not work for me. Like when we numb out, it's like I've got to find something just to, to make me numb. When we zone out, it's like I've got to find somehow to just disappear, check out. I'm gone. I want to shut the blinds. We do whatever it is. It doesn't work. Joy is a byproduct Trust. And understand that, that, that according to this text, in the grand scheme of things, like, Lord willing, one day, if God allows me to live to 65, 65-year-old Tim is not going to wake up and decide who he's going to be. No, 65-year-old Tim will be the sum total of what Tim has done from the age of 45 to 65. It's emerged from the heart on whether or not I've zoned out, I've checked out, I've numbed out, or I cling to joy. That's who 65-year-old Tim will be. And so those of you in this room that are in high school or college and you're going through one of those complicated situations, understand that, that, that how you decide to respond right now, whether you numb out, zone out, check out, or you cling to joy, it's going to determine your life what it's like when you're in your 20s and your 30s. I'm telling you, all of this is connected. That's why I embrace this prayer over and over. God, I don't like this space. I don't want this space. I don't understand this space. I didn't ask for this space, but I will trust you in this space. God, will you give me joy today? Because I don't want my heart to turn a deep shade 
ugly. And this is Habakkuk. Like, man, when, when, when it's going south, and I'm confused and fair left town, I'll choose to wait patiently. And I'm going to grip tight on joy. By the way, I'm reminding you, it's not a simple step. It's a challenging behavior. It's a borderline spiritual discipline. And the third thing he says is the last verse. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights, meaning I will call out to God for strength. Now you read that verse, you're like, wow, the feet of a deer. Thanks a bunch, you know. King James Version says, the hinds feet. That's more in line with the Hebrew text. Still, you're like, thanks, hinds feet. I will cry out to God for dear feet. But what Habakkuk has in mind, get ready, is not what we have in mind. We're in 2023. We live in the United States. And when we read the Bible, we place ourselves above the characters instead of among the characters. Consider Habakkuk's context in the nation of Israel. To be more specific, consider the hind feet of the Israeli Nubian Ibex. And now you'll see what Habakkuk meant when he said, God, give me the strength of a deer. And this is where he lands. God, I need you to give me the kind of strength that will result in agility and balance and traction. Because this is not a paved trail I'm walking, God. It's uneven terrain, and I can easily fall. So God, give me the feet of a deer. Guys, he's crying out to God for agility. He's crying out to God for balance, and he's crying out to God for traction. He needs it, and he craves it. When fair leaves town, you need the feet of a deer. I'm telling you, you saw it. It's not a simple step. It's a challenging behavior. So on behalf of this, this book, no minor matter, right? It starts with, man, how long, God? How long? It just doesn't seem right. Fair's left town. You're not doing anything about it. Oh, and then you're going to use them, the Babylonians? We're better than, God, you're not making sense. And in a matter of two chapters, he's like, you know what? I'm going to wait patiently. And patience is the, the capacity to look beyond the pain. Like there's a wall of pain and confusion. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be with friends, to go through counseling, to read, to be a part of a group. I'm going to do whatever it takes because patience is the capacity for someone to walk with me and help me see beyond the pain. And he says, you know, I'm going to cling to joy too. Even though this is happening, even though that's happening, even though this is happening and that's happening, you know what? I will not zone out. I will not numb out. I will not check out. I'll cling to joy. 
And even though this is an ugly chapter, I believe that God is writing a beautiful story and I will rejoice in the midst of the turmoil. And I will cry out to God for strength. God, give me dear feet. I need agility. I need balance. I need traction. The kind to climb cliffs. Even when fair leaves town. Today, let's pray together. All across this room, people are dealing with unfair. Whether it's in a relationship or tied to work, tied to something that's been done to you, something that's been said about you, someone that's left you. What are you doing, Fair Leaps Town? Let's take our cues from Habakkuk. Let's practice lament. God, this, this right here is how I feel. And this is what I want to say. I'm still going to trust you. God, the way this plays out, these, these phrases, they're not simple steps. God, these are disciplines, behaviors. And so I'll choose to wait patiently until you come through. And in the middle of the pain, the confusion, my patience, give me the patience to see past the pain. And God, I will cling to joy even though he, even though she, even though they. I will not zone out. I will not numb out. I will not check out. I will choose joy. And God, I cry out to you for strength. Give me the feet of a deer. This is no easy terrain. The trail is not paved. Help me to climb. Give me balance. Give me agility. Keep my firm feet firmly planted. Even when fair leaps down. And I pray this today in Jesus' name.